Welcome to another edition of Packy Chat, episode 21. I guess you can disregard, for those of you following the numbers uh, when they're posted, because I think I labeled the last one as 21. And one week I'm off, and now I'm confused for all of them. But I do know now that this is episode 21. So first, before we get going, uh, thanks to the people that have written in and um, given us some ideas for topics uh, today. This week, we took one of those ideas and kind of ran with it a little bit, got off topic a little bit here and there, but not sure how much we actually answered the question, but we definitely talked elephants for for a bit. Uh, Also, as always, every week, I'm going to thank our people that listen and follow us. I appreciate it. If you haven't given us a review um, on iTunes or Spotify or iHeart, wherever you do listen to your podcast, please give us a review. We appreciate it. And also tell a friend. Last thing I'm going to do is thank our Patreon, our Patreons, patreon.com backslash packychat. If you want to support us, you can go there and become one of our, our patrons. Uh, we have three top patrons and really appreciate uh, those top patrons, Kristen, Cecil, and Glenn, uh, for the support they give they give us. And the other patrons we have, we appreciate everybody. Um if being a patron isn't uh, in your budget right now, no big deal. Just listen to us and tell a friend. That goes a long way. The weird thing was uh, a year ago, as we as we recorded this, uh, it was a year ago was the last time we were all together, and that's kind of how how Packy Chat came about. There were the four of us plus a couple of other people together uh, for the week. Uh, we brought a microphone, sat it down because we. Uh, when we get together, we talk elephants and training a lot. That's what we do, and that's how this kind of came about. And we were sitting around the table having a couple of cocktails, and we put a microphone there, and lo and behold, it was the start of uh, something that's been going for about a year now, or for a year now. And uh, it's grown It's grown pretty nicely. Um, again, we do this because we like to talk about elephants, so all the positive feedback that we get from everybody is just a bonus to us, and we really appreciate it. So that's enough about that. This week, like I said, we took one of the comments. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I asked for some input on topics, and the first one that came in was building confidence and trust in a herd. Uh, thank you for who sent that in. We appreciate it. Um, and we started going down that road, and things, uh, yeah, we just talked about it. So without listening to me Babylon anymore, uh, let's just get into it. I guess you could say confidence, trust between elephants and trainers and confidence and trust between elephants because you could do both. I would say it depends on this, the situation. I've been surprised by elephants before. I had an elephant, which it was a herd that, that had been together for decades. So, you know, a herd of about seven elephants, seven elephants had been together for a long period of time. And the most dominant elephant, uh, we always viewed her as the most confident one. Nothing would happen in that herd unless she allowed it or did it herself. So we all might assume that the most confident one, you know, the most dominant one is always the most confident one. But when we um, we opened up a new building to move the elephants into, and it was it was attached to the same exhibit, so we didn't have to transport them outside the exhibit. They just had to basically walk into a different building from a different side of the exhibit. And even though she was the most confident elephant, and let's say the second most dom or the second most dominant elephant. 
the two elephants we thought that would have just strolling in because they're the most dominant ones were actually the elephants that were the last ones to go out, to go into the building. And it was interesting. We had two, um, so we kind of labeled these elephants aren't confident. They're, they're worried what's going on. Um, instead of being more of the leader, you know, I kind of changed my attitude and we used to call our most dominant the elephant is their matriarch. You know, we thought the matriarch would be the first one in to watch, make sure that everything was okay. If anything, this elephant was like, you all go in there first and you don't die, then I'll come in after you. So we don't, we look at her as the most, you know, leadership elephant anyway. So we divided our team up to half the team working with this one elephant and half the team working with his other elephant just to um, have some consistency amongst the team members. But what we didn't do is the two teams didn't work together with similar plans. They all came up with their own different plan. Um, one, one team decided that it was time to take a really hard, you know, a hard line with them. Well, they're not gonna get anything unless they come into the building. So they would um, you know, not, they get very minimal food no other training except around the building, basically nothing except water and small amount of food not being in the building. And it was interesting that not only was it building confidence, I would say that that technique with that particular elephant actually made it lose confidence. If anything, that I felt that by forcing an elephant that's not comfortable or confident in situation by kind of removing things, did the complete opposite with this elephant. She became more suspicious, doing basic things with her, moving around. The minimum that we did with her on the exhibit was even becoming more of a challenge. And I felt it became of a, a lack of a trust associated with them. I feel that it was like kind of a lack of transparency, you know, with, with this elephant. We weren't being upfront and honest with her by, um, in one way, we're honest with her saying, you have to come in to get food, but it was an unknown thing for her. What was, what was on the other side of that, of that door? Because they came in and they would see two pens deep, but they couldn't see the rest of the exhibit at all. So I really felt that by, it was easier to destroy their confidence by not being transparent up front with them. So instead to build confidence up with this alpha, we changed the, um, the philosophy, and, and we say it lots of times, set her up to succeed. We made very goals for her to that when she looked at that place and it was an easy, easily attainable or a, a pretty low criteria they were asking her to do, um, it allowed us to go build her confidence. And I see almost a, a switch that got changed for that elephant where she went from a, a suspicious elephant, which I found was very very standoffish and I would describe as no confidence, all of a sudden flourish into this elephant that gained more and more confidence, you know, every few days. So I think that helped build a confidence between a trainer and an elephant is the more successes you have between each other and the clear communication, I think allowed that elephant to um, build confidence. We were able to make um, great strides with her and get her in the building. What makes, what makes an elephant like the matriarch or the most dominant. Like we hear people use throw those terms around a lot, um, you know, in, in rankings. And if you put, you know, the elephants in our herd, you know, we have an assumption of kind of who's the oldest and who's the crustiest. But the fact she doesn't lead anyone anywhere. She doesn't provide confidence to anybody anywhere like a real matriarch would have. She's the oldest and crustiest. 
uh, of them all. Um, and there's definitely ones that are submissive to the others. Um, but it's just, it's a weird thing to hear because uh, like, it, I, I don't know how you define it, but you know, the term is used all the time. I use it, everyone uses it. So what, you know, what is that, is that the right, you know, is it a matriarch? Is it just a dominant thing? Is she, is she dominant because she's old and crusty? Um, you know what I, I mean? Think, I think it depends. And I've said this before. I don't, I don't like the term for most of, most of the situations that we have in our industry. Um, I don't think really fit the bill. I think it, I think by calling the, like almost, you know, expanding on your point a little bit, calling an elephant in our groups a matriarch really undersells what it is. You know, when, you know, when you look at natural history of elephants and you say it's a matriarchal society and all that, the, the role and the what's provided and the things that are done um, in, a, in a natural situation, in a true matriarchal situation is, they don't, most of those things don't even exist in our situation. So I think it's a, it's a term of convenience because, you know, obviously in, a, in most cases we have um, female herds and we do pick the most dominant one and call them the matriarch, but I don't, I, I think it's underselling the term and it's, it's a misnomer for what we have. And I think it is a dominance thing. That said, you know, there are times where, um, and it's, you know, it, we, all, we all probably have instances of this, but you'll have a situation where, you know, the chips are down and the matriarch kind of, you know, falls down a little bit and another elephant will step up, you know what I mean? In, in, a, in a given situation, whether it's something stupid, like there's just some stress or, you know, who's dominant over the food pile or, that sort of thing. So I think, I think it depends. Each each situation is different, but you know, I think by and large, um, it's something different than a than a matriarch. But it, you know, for me, it's up for debate what that is. But but to your point, I think it is more of a dominance thing, and I think that that can change. Um, I don't think it changes dramatically from day to day. But again, I think there are situations that bring out the true qualities of an individual that, that, you know, if, if these animals were in a more natural situation where resources were at play and protection of young were at play and all that jazz, I think, you know, different individuals that then what we would consider a matriarch or, you know, in our situation would actually rise to the top and actually be a real matriarch in a no more normal, natural situation. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think it's a leadership thing as well. So I agree. I don't think that there's a true matriarch in the fact that, you know, nobody's doing these walks for water and knowing where the food source is and in the middle of the summer and things like that. But I also think, uh, you know, it, it's a leadership type situation. So just like with us, you know, you have to know when to calm down the herd, you know, when, when to be careful, when to be aggressive, when to put this elephant in check, when not to, when to sense that those two elephants are about to not get along and step in between them. So I think there's a lot of nuances that goes into that leader other than just being dominant, you know? So I think it's up to us to kind of recognize the whole, the holistic part of it, instead of just labeling the most dominant one as the matriarch. Um, Cause nobody's showing anybody where the water is. Everybody knows where that is. Um, but again, for me, it's, it's the calming factor and, and kind of, making the herd what it is and and that lead elephant for me 
puts everybody else in their place as far as the pecking order, you know? So, you know, whoever her buddy is, is probably going to be number two and then so on and so forth. Right. Um, but I know we've done a lot of like mixing back and forth recently. And it's funny when we don't have certain animals with certain other animals, it goes to shit. Um, but then when you do, you know, you have certain animals that calm the, the entire, the entire group. So, um, I look at it more from like who's the best leader, not the not who's the matriarch or who's the most dominant or anything like that. Things progress at your place. It'd be very interesting to, to hear more and see, you know, what that looks like as animals mix and change. Because like in our in our group, our oldest elephant is like I said, she's old and crusty and kind of, you know, she lays the smack down on the kids. But I wouldn't call her much of a leader or even a calming. You know, she might be a reassurance for for um, one of the younger adults because um, they kind of grew up, she grew up there with, with that elephant. But she doesn't, you know, she doesn't break up fights really unless they're next to her, you know, getting in her space. Um, the, the little elephants could care less about her um, when she gets mad and drops the hammer on them. They go and annoy someone else for a little bit and then come back and just annoy her again. Um, it's weird. We have like three groups, you know, we have the old bat and we have uh, a mom and, and her offspring. And then we got another mom and her offspring and they kind of do their thing. The babies mingle and the three adults kind of go do, do their own thing. So interesting to, to hear, you know, more elephants that don't spend a lot of time together you know, what it's like a year, two years, three years from now, how those elephants have worked things out and, and when and I'm not saying there's not elephants out there that are a calming and a reassuring thing. I know they are. I'm just saying in our herd, we, you know, we don't experience that a ton. Well, and I've, and I've heard on more than one occasion, and again, I, I, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a catch-all term that's not really accurate, but I've heard of many instances where the quote-unquote matriarch of a group causes as much chaos as she, or more than she then she quells. So, you know, again, is that is does that mimic natural history and, and what a true matriarch does? I mean, I, I don't I don't think so. But uh, but again, you know, I think I don't know that you'd hear much arguments from anybody that if you say, you know, the most dominant elephant is probably nine times out of ten considered if you know if if that's how they label their group, that most dominant elephant is probably considered the matriarch. And you know, is it probably the oldest in a group where there's a you know a a vast array of ages, probably, you know, but again, this, there's a, when I first started out, we had a, we had a group of three elephants that were a similar age, they were young, um, and, you know, none that would be, none that would ever be a matriarch in a normal herd, I mean, they were all teenage, teenagers, and, you know, the, our most dominant elephant was, was considered the matriarch, but there were times where our quote-unquote middle elephant um, clearly you know, at times ran the show and it was usually around food and it was really subtle. It was never this, you know, battle ax coming in and, and pushing elephants out of the way. But even the most dominant elephant, usually, you know, 75% of the time, there were times where you would see that middle elephant sort of inch her way in and, and sort of take over really, um, you know, kind of on the sly. So anyway, it, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a loaded term. There's a lot of things. I mean, you'd have to spend a lot of time with a group of elephants just watching them to, to I think, to figure out who the true 
um, what the what the diet dom, the dominance hierarchy is, and then uh, like I said, I've had it change. I've had it in my career. I've seen it change. So you know. So, so do you think that's because they're just we're we're in situations where like none of them are matriarchs, and so somebody's kind of has to do it, and they kind of just do it kind of in a half-ass job, you know? <laughs> and maybe that's the case too, because you know, I don't want to be the leader. Well, neither do I. And then I think, I think another point that you make that kind of sparks something to me is, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong within a group of elephants for this one to be dom or, you know, dominant over food, but not over, you know, socialization or, you know, and just go back and forth with that as well. Um, you didn't say that, but I kind of derived it from that. Um, you may have within a herd of, you know, 10 elephants or three elephants, you know, this one is the leader one day and they just kind of go back and forth a little bit, you know, depending on the opportunity and depending on the situation, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting you, you know, you talk about matriarchs and all that kind of stuff. For me, it's a reminder of maybe what we don't have. And Nick, I like your question, you know, maybe none of them are matriarchs because, so, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, maybe none of them are matriarchs at all, kind of makes me think that we don't really have what we think we do. You know, we look at the natural history, we think about that matriarch being the leader. And we think about leadership skin shown in signs of stress. You know, we, it was mentioned that, well, we gotta lead them to water. You know, um, we gotta know when to flee, when to fight. Everything are, in natural history seems protection of the herd and, the, lead, and the, the preservation of the herd. And everybody looks to this one elephant for survival. And in our care, <clears throat> I don't think on average our elephants have many challenges that threatens their, their life from day to day. You know, they have when they need it. They, they have food when they need it. So even the opportunity to show a true leadership role, I don't know if our elephants really have that much. I think it bounces back and forth, I think, more to the dominance thing as well. You know, what I would love to be able to, you know, have to hear somebody say, we have a true matriarch at our facility, and this is why we call the matriarch versus a dominant elephant. And um, yeah, I, 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 I really would question whether we have those at all. So two things, one, something, something that was said earlier, you know, I, I do see that old battle axe in our, in our herd. One thing she does do is she's good with the babies and we have new babies born. Uh, she definitely is a reassurance to the mom because she loves the babies and she'll go mess with them and mom can get a break and, uh, um, you know, she's a comfort. I know she is when we put them on exhibit for the first time because they often go together, uh, her and one other elephant and, and the calf. Um, she's the first one we introduced to them. So what I said earlier, as soon as uh, the whole, that part was brought up, I, yeah, I agree with that completely. This elephant definitely does that. As far as, you know, defining or labeling a matriarch, I think, you know, we, we hear it all the time that people say this is a matriarch and whatnot. And once we have it in our mind that it's the matriarch, I think we do so much as caregivers to just reinforce that with the rest of the herd. We treat them differently. We set them up to be a matriarch. We don't put elephants in situations to, to, um, uh, to challenge the dominance or anything like that. So I think we unintentionally just reinforce probably for the rest of that elephant's life that they are the boss, they're the leader, they are the, the dominant one. Um, and to go back to this question about building confidence, you know, I don't know of a whole lot of places that do a very 
proactive herd management in the in the in the sense of building confidence with with other elephants. Um, you know, we hear it sometimes at, at PEM the topic comes up about aggression, but we never really talk about cooperative feeding and using different strategies to build confidence. So with that being said, it seems like all we do is kind of cater cater to the dominant, the more dominant ones and don't put the more submissive ones in a situation where they're gonna get their ass handed to them. Yeah, you mentioned a cooperative feeding um, situation. We had um, the first elephant that passed away in my career was our dominant elephant. And we saw, you know, a fracture in the herd. It, it seemed like there was a lot of political ambitions came to fruition when there's this opening for this, you know, most dominant elephant. And we had elephants picking on other elephants that we never saw before. You know, we could theorize that certain elephants were taking opportunities because they were never allowed to do that before because this other one would lay a beat down on them. So we actually had a, a fractured herd. One of the approaches that we took was um, we changed, we tried to build a relationship between a couple of elephants. You know, to simplify things, our number one elephant, um, the most, what we thought was the most dominant elephant, never picked on, like, let's say, elephant number three. But elephant number two would constantly pick on elephant number three. So what we did is we put elephant number three and number one together quite a bit and took out that number two elephant. And that built a relationship up between them. I think it either gave her a protection when, the, when that elephant came back around into the herd or it built her confidence that she wouldn't show so much submission. So I think if you know your socialization fairly well, you can build confidence between herd members by adding and removing certain elephants. I think we all of us had that, you know, as mentioned before too. Um, depending which elephants around, we see different personality traits come out, which shouldn't be very weird for us or unusual for us to think that because we see that in lots of primates and in ourselves as well. So I think that, um, and then the other part of it is we put the, those two elephants together, pick on each other. We did cooperative feeding, uh, we did cooperative feeding bouts. We built the confidence up between them is that they would fight against each other through the bars but then again, reinforce them for not going after each other. And I don't know if that was building confidence or realizing that there's more important things out there. We'd rather be focused on the reinforcement. So I really do think that building confidence between herd members can work with a cooperative feeding situation or putting elephants around each other um, and removing certain other social aspects to help build relationship between them. Um, you might get that wrong sometimes because you can, it's just guesses and you have to figure it out and give some time. But, you know, I know that one, one of us for sure is going through a whole lot of that right now. And you're probably learning a whole lot about playing around the dynamics and stuff like that. So that confidence thing, I think just the elephants being around certain other elephants, we can really influence that. So to, so to pick up on that, one of the things that we, that we used to do at one of my facilities and I mean, it, it goes without saying, it probably happens everywhere, but um, you know, everything that we did management wise with the elephants was to support their uh, cohesion as a group. And, and you know, we talk about building trust. There's certainly a level of building trust with each other. And, and by not putting, you know, by not doing the most convenient thing for us, 
and doing the thing that was best for the elephants as far as where we put them, who lives with who, when we split the group up, who gets near who or who's housed with who. That, that not only helped with um, each other, it also helped with how I think the, the elephants view us as far as trust. You know, not putting them in precarious situations um, helps a lot. And, uh, you know, because you, I think it, it maintains a, a, the, the appropriate energy for, you know, training and learning and all of that. And then there's also associations that happen on purpose and by accident that, uh, you know, there starts to be a level of trust between the elephants and, and, the, and the staff because they start to understand that you're not going to put them in a situation. I mean, we've all seen elephants that, you know, pee themselves when a door opens because they don't know who's coming through it. I mean, we worked really, really hard to be sure that um, everything was very clear, both for, you know, for the elephants. So they understood what was about to happen. And that, again, that bleeds over into training <clears throat> and um, expectations about, you know, what's about to happen and, and ha them having clear expectations about what's in it for them and fair, you know, what's fair and being fair to the elephants and all that. So I think there's a huge amount of trust that's built between the staff when there's effort put into um, not putting them into tough situations and they understand that you know through what we do with them every day they're not going to be put in any in any uh, hairy situations that they necessarily need to worry about yeah I think that's a really good point that we we try to manage you know day in and day out to do what's right for each individual elephant um, you know we have we have elephants that uh, don't like to shift past other elephants or, uh, you know, through the, through the hallway when they're in stalls and we try to put, move, move those elephants uh, out of the way or, you know, get them, uh, get their mind focused on something else. So, I mean, that's a good point that, you know, it should be our job to set them up to be successful and not really have to worry about the dominant side of it as much. Yeah, I think we can even think about coming to work. We probably had dominant bosses or patriarchs, matriarchs at the workplace too. We look at the back too. If you, you come to work every day and you know the people that that let's say care for you or or in charge of you or whatever you want to say set you up to succeed, you know, I know that builds my confidence up. You know, whereas we're setting up situations where we're failing either to you know, failing to achieve goals or failing in a relationship, work relationships or whatever. I think that that carries over, you know, just with our own personal teams and all that kind of stuff. The thing I'm curious about for those of you guys that have babies, do you, um, do you see confidence developing, you know, as they mature or go in? Do you think that, you know, they have confidence and you may see situations where they chip away? Because really, you think, you know, you have a, a blank slate and a sponge. Um, do you witness these animals developing their confidence in your care? I see babies of, of our least, our most submissive animal in the group. She, she lets everybody kind of push her around, is our most um, prolific breeder. And uh, her calves, they don't they don't care about anybody they'll run around everybody and like i said that old that old crusty uh older crusty elephant you know she she loves the babies and she usually does real good with them but they'll reach an age where they just get annoying and uh she'll get on them a little bit and drop the hammer on them 
and they don't care. They'll come right back. You know, they'll crawl underneath them to eat. They'll, they just don't. So no, I don't see it in the elephants that we've had born here. They don't, they don't care until they get older that it really matters. And the one elephant that we had that was born here, she's going to be 10. Her mother's kind of a, uh, her mother's a kind of a dominant elephant and, uh, you know, she's, she's 10 now and she's still, you know, she doesn't care much about anything. Like, you know, I don't think she puts herself in a spot to, to get reprimanded from our oldest elephant, but she, you know, even now she cares about uh, her mom and what her mom does to her. And that's about it. So does it kind of circle around that? Um, we kind of expect that nature versus nurture thing, right? So they're born, they're blank slates. You know, they have confidence until their experiences either increases that confidences, their consequences, their behavior, or it can erode that confidence. I mean, there's there's two different things here. Like, like the we have two we have two females that are that have produced all the offspring in our in our herd, and the one elephant, all her babies, uh, like while they're they're not afraid of or submissive to any other elephants in the group when they're younger, you know, till they're three, four or five years old or whatever, um, they are more often more timid elephants in general, like to new things. Like, I think they lack that type of confidence. Now, granted they're babies and, and they get over it pretty quick. Whereas the other female, the one that I was just telling you who's 10, she has uh, another another daughter as well and those two like we always call them the honey badgers because they just they don't give a shit like even little growing up nothing scared them nothing they're just totally different confidence levels in that way it has i'm not talking about her dynamics i'm just talking about confidence in general with how they deal with life well i think there's a bigger question you know to what's being asked and so i think there's i think the answer is i don't know what the answer is necessarily to that question for everything but to me the bottom line is there's a huge influence that, that we play that, you know, the nature versus nurture, where they grow up, you know, their herd mates, all that kind of stuff. You know, we've seen it before. I mean, so I think, so I think the answer is yes, essentially the short answer is yes, because I mean, we've seen it before because you can, you can screw them up. I mean, you can, you can end up with a, a little monster, you know, whether it's an elephant that's unruly and you can't, you know, get blood from it or you can't do footwork on it or it won't listen or whatever. I mean, so I, I think there's a huge influence and, and that can be positive or negative, clearly. And uh, I mean, you know, we have an elephant now who's, you know, 30 and we call her, you know, she's the, like the princess. I mean, there's no question. I, I don't know what her upbringing was, but there's no question that, uh, that her upbringing had, uh, had a lot to do with the way she acts today you know and even though she's been at a different place for a number of years she came with a lot of things so there's no question that there's an influence um unmistakable influence and it's also uh i want to say it's not something that can't be changed but it's it becomes a long-standing um you know rooted part of their of their being that's why you know we've always said and i don't know how you guys feel but when we had babies in the barn, we had some pretty, you know, I don't want to say strict rules, but there were definitely some rules of the road and how we deal with them, how we do the training, who does the training, why we do it a certain way, so that we, we sort of start developing a good foundation and it doesn't become problematic. Because, you know, when I was there in the beginning, we had a little, 
a little, uh, we had a baby born, a little male, <clears throat> and he became a little terror. And so we, for a while, and, you know, he mellowed out as time went on, but we learned, we learned from some of the mishaps that we had and things that we had done, you know, out of what we thought was a good place and, or, or, or a, a place that would be inconsequential to, to, you know, later down the road, but we found out different. So I think, yeah, I think the answer is we have a lot to do with it and there has to be a strategy and a plan so that you have something that you can, you know, maximize your ability to care for. And then also um, that tears up to the goals. I mean, a lot of things you can't control as was being said about those babies that kind of do whatever they want. We've sort of seen the same thing. Um, but the other thing I will say is that, <clears throat> again, I don't know how you guys feel, but there's a clear difference between elephants that were born into a group and had a, I don't want to say normal, but, you know, born into a, a group of elephants with other adult females and other babies and things like that. And the ones that started out that were sort of the, you know, the younger ones, whether they were <clears throat> African cull babies from the eighties or whether they were, you know, elephants that, uh, that were pulled, you know, I, I, you know, we know that youngsters were, were, were moved away from their mothers earlier on um, years ago and things. And, th and that has an effect. I think that has a huge effect on them. So we're seeing things now as we try to create the programs that we want and we try to do the best we can because we know, you know, we think we know anyway, we've come a long way in far, as far as, you know, our goals and what we want for these elephants. And we see a difference between, um, you know, the, these different generations. And a lot of it has to do with the people that took care of them, the structure in which they were taking care of both of, you know, facility or herd structure. And it makes a huge difference. And I like that point about the differences between the elephants growing up in different situations. Um, I was talking to a colleague of ours that um, there is a, this facility has lots of elephants and there's, you're first into to this group of elephants is the herd. And these elephants are together almost all the time. And really, if you try to separate them, you see a lot of behavior out there that they're not used to. So it's interesting, you know, these elephants that we see that were the call babies or whatever, and even throughout most of their life, it's difficult for them to get around along with other elephants. And there's a lot of elephants in our care that are, a facility could have two or three elephants, but they're not even together because they haven't learned how to get together. But the other situation too is that we have these elephants that are herd bar bound as well and we try to give and they're very confident in that world that we change the world a little bit to be by themselves that's becomes unnatural for them as well so um you know take home message I'm, I'm really getting from it is that you know how can we control or how can we influence um their confidence is that i think we we all kind of agree that it's very much so i think we are the biggest influencers in their lives about um, whether they gain confidence or lose confidence at all. If I were in a situation where I'm like, I wonder why that elephant's doing that, it's really timid, or it's, you know, um, seems not have confidence at all, I'd be saying, well, how am I contributing to that? How am I managing this animal? You know, and, and then it might come uh, obvious, or it may be obvious that why we're contributing to it. Uh, but I think we do have to look at ourselves for the most part to figure out how we're influencing their build up or break down their confidence. Have you guys, the, um, you know, again, we're going back to you guys that have babies as well. Some of you have um, um, multi-generational herds as well. Now, there's a lot of babies around. They're all the same age, stuff like that. Um, in, the, in weather experience, you have multi-generational. Do you see 
generational differences too, because I'm assuming the second or even the third generation would have been more born into a quote unquote normal situation by having um, different, like, like we said before, different age groups. Um, do, do, I think one of us has at least a second generation, is it? Would you say, do you see a difference between first generation or second generation when it comes to their behavior and their confidence and being inside more of a normal herd? Well, strictly from an age perspective, even, you know, even um, not necessarily that, 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 you know, our babies had babies, but even if the, even if the babies are old enough to be mothers and there's still babies coming around in the group, you can see a huge difference between, uh, you know, the, I'll call it maternal, maternal behavior and maternal, maternal instincts of those females that haven't even had babies yet because they've been around so many, they were, you know, they were around them when they were young and they've been around so many and their, their upbringing and development that, you know, there's a huge paradigm shift in what we would at some point say about how we, how we manage elephants and the worries we have about breeding and the worries we have about all that, you know, as far as nature, nurture, what's learned, what's inherent and instinctual. Um, so I think, I think there is, I mean, I haven't had the the grandbaby elephants in my career yet. Um, but, uh, but, but there's certainly a difference between the ones that have been born into a group and then spent their formative years and then even into their teenage years in that group where there's still babies coming and all of that stuff. I think that's, uh, I think that makes a big difference. And I think, I think it's positive, really, really positive and something that we should strive for moving forward. That said too, I think, um, when we get to that point where those quote unquote grandbaby elephants are coming, I think that's going to be a game changer about how we look at, you know, some, some aspects of elephant management and uh, you know, some of the really, really hard work that we had to put in in getting these sort of, you know, um, potentially maladjusted elephants to be good mothers and to, you know, have a normal herd structure. I think a lot of that work's going to be done just by virtue of the fact that they've had that different upbringing. That's a really interesting point that you said. I wonder if, like, we've, if we created different management styles that have kind of created more dysfunctional elephants, let's say from a behavioral standpoint, which can be interpreted as elephants only have confidence and stuff. That's a really interesting point is that as we change our management style, that a lot of that will just, may just really reduce or disappear just because naturally we're not creating, uh, we're putting themselves, themselves to succeed a little bit better and be more confident in their life because we just manage them differently. That's a really, yeah, really interesting point. And it's not necessarily that, you know, we manage, well, I mean, we did in, in, in some regard probably manage them differently, but they had just had a completely different experience that we managed that we, you know, that in, in years past, we wouldn't have had the ability to manage that. Then as a result, it completely changes the dynamic of, of how we would you know, the, the sort of the trajectory for the future of what we would manage, what the considerations we would make and those sort of things. I think it's a, it's an evolutionary process that it's exactly where I would like to see the elephant business go from a herd structure, breeding, sustainability standpoint. I've always said, you know, there's, and we've had the conversation about birth management and things like that. You know, the day where I feel completely comfortable to sit in a lawn chair and watch it happen on a camera or, or watch it happen from 50 yards away uh, and have nothing to do with it, that's, that would be a great day, you know, and have, and have very little worry about, you know, obviously beyond normal risk, 
um, that's a great day. And I think that we're headed in that direction. And it has a lot to do with all the things we just spent, you know, the last five minutes talking about. You know, I just, I, you know, the jury's still out, obviously, in the, in the situation that I'm in, because we do have multi-generation and we have all of that, but the situation is just different, right? I think it's, it's correct to say that, yeah, the way that it was managed and the way that it's done in the past, right, wrong, or indifferent is just different. And the animals are going to have to learn to evolve with that situation in new situations. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how our program evolves into that, um, which is super exciting. But, you know, I see, I look at elephants every day, they're multi-generational, but it's not, it's not how, yeah, it's just different, right? Thanks again for once again listening to Packy Chat. You know, I say it every time, but, you know, Packy Chat is not about agendas or anything like that. It's just a, a handful of guys getting together and talking about elephants and our passion for elephants. So we're not trying to push anything on anybody. Uh, we hope that anyone that listens has an open mind. And, you know, if you can take one or two things away from the stuff we talk about, great. Uh, if it spurs on. Uh, some conversation in the barn or makes you think about things differently or even reassures that what you're doing is right. Uh, you know, that's all great. You know, we, I'll say it over and over. We love elephants and we love to talk about them. So that's what this is all about. So thanks so much for listening to us. And thanks as always for supporting us on Facebook or wherever you listen to your podcasts. A couple things. If you have other topics you want to hear us talk about, send us a, a message on Facebook or email us at packychatpodcasts at gmail.com. P-A-C-H-Y-C-H-A-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll answer those emails uh, as soon as we can or give us ideas for future topics. And again, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, we are on Patreon now. Uh, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, uh, and look up Packy Chat. And all that is is a way to help support us. Uh, you know, I know times are tough for everybody, and we're certainly not looking to make a profit on Packy Chat. But uh, there are some expenses that go along with it. Microphones, uh, software, podcast space, all that thing costs money that we're paying for out of our pocket right now, which we're f happy to do. If you like us, like us enough to support us, that's great. You know what? And if now is not the time to provide any uh, financial support, we are so cool with that as well. Just uh, give us a like and share with your friends. That's good enough for us. Uh, as always, thanks so much for listening to us, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.